0: Welcome to Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. I'm your host, Morgan Johnson. And I'm producer Nelly Podokshuk. For the past two seasons, Retrospect has been making summer specials on Pride Month, shedding light on the history, Fordham's relations to the LGBTQ community, as well as even taking you on personally to the famous NYC Pride Parade. To keep this tradition alive, we are going to talk about a relevant topic about Pride Month brand responses. We are being joined today by Tessa Irby and Emmanuel Okeke from PRISM, and together we will unravel the complex and often controversial world of brand responses during Pride Month. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do in PRISM? My name is Tessa.
1: I'm one of the co-presidents of PRISM at Fordham. We're basically Fordham's LGBTQ plus community, so we have to just create a safe space for queer students, but we also have to engage with queer spaces in Manhattan too.
2: I'm Emmanuel, other co-presidents, and yeah, just creating a safe space for people to identify with themselves.
0: Since it's Pride Month, obviously we see a lot of brand engagement with Pride in general. How do you think that works along with a club, but also brands' responses to Pride Month? I know we're not in school in June during Pride Month, but how do you think brands respond to Pride and how your club responds to Pride to kind of just showcase it? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so we're both, this is both our first year on the eBoard, so we haven't experienced Pride Month as eBoard members yet, so we're kind of experiencing it for the first time. But I think in terms of how corporations respond to Pride, I think it's very normal for people in the community to kind of be that with skepticism. So we tend to take a different approach where we're more just, hey, if you want to go to the Pride Parade, go to the Pride Parade, you know, kind of enjoy Pride as you please as a member of the community, but not pushing anything onto them, just kind of giving them the space as a queer community, but not necessarily pushing any type of agenda because the history of Pride is important, but it also is kind of complex. And then obviously corporate allyship is very complex too. So we don't get it too muddled, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's very important to just, in a way, put the food on the table, but you know, put the information out there that this is what's going on. This is what you can do. These are the ways you can engage. Do this in whatever way feels safe to you and whatever way you feel the most empowered and you know you're having the most fun with. But yeah. Mm-hmm and i think the brand response i mean that's a whole a whole kind of worms but brand mm-hmm. response is famously very surface level very we're doing this so we don't get attacked for not doing it you know the <laughs> rainbow icons very popular but it's not even happening anymore you know so it's everyone is you know pulling out because of backlash from you know the other side of the hill that believes that they shouldn't be doing that kind of thing, which is well, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot. I feel every every week this month I've heard, oh, Starbucks is no longer doing even simple decorations or even mm. decorations that their workers even put together and create targets, putting all of their pride decorations in the far back corner yes. where nobody goes. And I think I think it's really terrible that we're seeing these brands kind of stand down and not try mm-hmm. to fight against these people because obviously so many people pride pride and just feeling seen is so important for them to just take a back seat and be like, yeah they say they don't want to see it so let's not have it on display i think it's crazy and i think the brands responding and doing that is very hurtful but also I was talking to somebody and they were talking about the safety of their workers because workers are being harassed about them. And obviously the workers have no control over the decoration. But I also think that that's just an excuse to just take it down altogether.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it does really seem at the first sign of opposition, corporations are so willing to just shut it all down, which I think really does express how performative it is and also just how... I mean, it's very pessimistic, but just how far we have to go, because if it is that surface level, it just, you know, it does, it does get kind of upsetting when you recognize that the other side that is working against us does seem to have so much more pull on how corporations behave. So it it is very, very powerful in that way, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think it's a very angering splash of cold water on the face, because hearing about the things that were happening Queen Jean being arrested all sorts of you know news and it's there's no way this is happening in 2023 but it is mm-hmm. and it's even worse now than it was last year and the year before so it's mm-hmm. the pushback is you know mounting and it's proving more and more it's really is separating the sheep from the wolves you really do get to see what corporations actually care about these things and what corporations were doing this for the you know for the thrill of it, I guess, or for the engagement of
3: it. I think brands are taking many different approaches to Pride Month. So I don't think we can necessarily say that all these companies are rainbow washing or not really representing LGBTQ people. I think that a lot of companies have turned to marketing themselves as being supportive of these causes, but in reality, they're only adopting These rainbow themed logos or changing their social media profiles to reflect these colors or they're promoting certain colored products. So also I know in terms of rainbow washing, I know Skittles recently released gray pride packs, which is basically acknowledging the fact that rainbow washing is a thing, but reversing that symbolism and taking a step back. So then they have Ray colored Skittles. And I think that's really smart of them to promote that in the marketing. So Skittles seems like they have genuine
0: support during Pride Month rather than the other companies who rainbow wash. So what challenges do brands face when they're navigating the line between genuine support and the performative allyship during Pride Month? I feel one of the biggest, I guess, things to
1: balance or the biggest hurdle but also maybe the recipe for success, not to say that I have the answers to everything, but I would say it's mostly just consistency because we've noticed Bud Light had won an award for being, for their allyship and for being so accepting and welcoming of the community. And then we're seeing them kind of go into the opposite with the more recent backlash. And that kind of signals to the community To doubt every single corporation, because even if you feel they're on your side, sometimes, you know, they'll get too much backlash and then they'll change up and then you're kind of questioning them from the beginning.
0: Bud Light, the beer company, started a new marketing strategy aimed at capturing the attention of younger generations and repositioning Bud Light as their go-to beer. To achieve this, they tapped into the power of influencer marketing, one of whom was transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. As a part of their promotional content, Bud Light sent beers to Mulvaney, who showcased her appreciation for the brand in a video that lasted less than a minute. However, despite Bud Light's intentions, the video sparked unexpected outrage. Recent data from Bump Williams Consulting and Nelson IQ reveals a significant and alarming decline in Bud Light's sales. For the week ending June 10th, Bud Light experienced its most substantial weekly sales drop to date with a 26.8% decrease, For me, regarding the Bud Light situation, I feel it's crazy that just for a normal, everyday little influencer sponsorship, you know, they all, influencers get so many little PR gifts that are personalized to them. And this one for Dylan being a beer can with just her face on it. I think it's crazy the amount of attention it got for something so little She was just saying, hey, Bud Light's a good beer. Drink it. Have fun with it, too.
2: Obviously, we agree that this is a very dumb, very, very, very weird thing that has happened. But I also do think there's a lot of blame that Bud Light has to take in the respect of knowing your regular audience and taking the pains to protect those who you are, you know, putting in your commercial. And think to put that ad out there is to put Dylan in a dangerous position and as a brand with the resources that you have I think it's worth the more effort if you're really trying to you know be representative of the community and you're really trying to protect her rights See, so just put her at the forefront of all this risk of backlash but I think companies do have to take those steps because if not we are going to be limiting I don't know so much of the community to only a certain demographic. You can't say, you know, gay rights and then only say it in communities where gay people thrive.
1: I think Bud Light choosing to be neutral at the end of this was the dumbest thing that they possibly could have done. Because not only should they have thought about it more, and that's not to say they shouldn't have done the ad because I agree with Emmanuel, but like trans people are at such a higher risk of violence, which, would have to include online violence and cyberbullying because that's our world right now. And then they put her out here on this ad. They're like setting her up for potential risk. They're taking that risk, which she will then be the victim of. And then once it goes sour, they're pretending to be neutral, which will never work because you can't please both sides when they're like on the literal opposite sides of the spectrum. But I think, yeah, that's what I had the biggest problem with is that they weren't able to stand up for the trans community when it got hard and that they thought that they could just make a a very vague statement and that everything would be absolved for them.
3: Yeah, I think staying neutral was, was a really bad choice for them because they could have taken it so many different ways, but staying neutral was the safest for them. And in the end, yes, they made a lot of mistakes, but I feel like a company, if they have really good PR, they could recover from that. And an ad is all about representing the LGBTQ community. So if they had made a mistake and they corrected it, I feel like that could spur more conversation and still influence public opinion, but represent their own brand in a better light. They had such a big platform and... They were already like sparking so much conversation, and not really like education, but people were communicating with each other. And I think they missed out on a really big opportunity to reach a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. very true. They they were bringing together a lot of a lot of people were coming together to have these conversations about Bud Light, and you didn't see a single thing from Bud Light leading towards just simple educational resources to add into the conversation they just kind of ended everything and said you know what we're just going to stop here we're just going to stop and not do anything else yeah
2: it was a cop-out huge Mm cop-out and it was an insult to the people they were trying to represent in the first place I mean I appreciate the efforts but at the end of the day what matters is how you follow it up and what you do until the end
0: Thank you for joining us today on Retrospect. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode.